radio this was not scheduled so hopefully you're going to find this in some way either live just by happening onto the site or reading my twitter where i just tweeted that we're doing this show or in the archives this is going to be archived i know we had a problem with the last spontaneous show i did where the archives didn't work properly but uh, i believe i got that fixed so this should appear in the archives and you just go to the radio tab and you can hear it there of course, uh, if you're hearing this in the archives, you obviously know how you got there. So, uh, hello, it is Sunday, April 15th, 2012, 3.10 in the afternoon. This is not going to be a long show, but I felt that it wouldn't be right for me to allow April 15th to pass, especially the first April 15th since Black Friday, without doing an anniversary show for Black Friday, since it was such a major event in the world of online poker. And even the world of non-online poker, it had a lot of effect, but uh, especially in online poker. And I think we're going to look back many years from now 
and see even more significance to that date, and not all of it bad. Some of it actually good. And I'll get to that during this show. So since it's been exactly one year since we were all blindsided by major action by the United States government, Department of Justice, more specifically the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, who has led most of the action against online poker over the last several years, including the net teller seizure that was also this office, including the uh, shutdown of party poker to U.S. Uh, customers and the fine that party poker paid that also went to that office. That office has made a lot of money off of online poker. I mean, they've made many hundreds of millions of dollars from online poker-related fines and seizures. That's what this office specializes in, this Southern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office. They specialize in going after criminal organizations with money. So if you're breaking U.S. law and you have a lot of money, they're going to go after you, and they're either going to seize your money or force you to pay a very, very large fine, like they did to NetTeller and Party Poker, where uh, those people didn't go to jail, but they paid nine-figure sums to that office to avoid criminal charges. So that's what that office does. And some people thought it was going to change when Obama got elected because all the Bush people in that office were fired. So all the people who had gone after NetTeller and Party Poker, they were all kicked out. And people thought, okay, this is a new day. That office has different people. It's going to operate differently. But of course, no, because the biggest action against online poker occurred on Obama's watch on April 15, 2011, known as Black Friday, when they effectively shut down Poker Stars, Full Tilt, and Ultimate Bet. And only one of those three is still in operation. And that's Poker Stars, and they do not offer games to U.S. players. And in fact, they actually put a lot of effort into stopping U.S. players who are still sneaking on there and pretending to be from another country. So that's what's happened, and it's been a year since that happened. But there was one more important side effect of this whole mess, and that was the collapse of the two sites causing online poker players, like myself, to lose their money. If you had money on full tilt, you have not gotten it off. It's stuck. I know a few people quickly transferred money to non-U.S. players on full tilt before they went down completely and got a little bit out that way. But most people who had a balance on full tilt, whether small or large, still don't have their money a year later. And people who had their money on UB, well, they were pretty foolish to begin with, given that site's history. But uh, they went down in a similar fashion, and that money is even more gone than the full tilt money. I will discuss a little bit later in the broadcast the likelihood of ever seeing your money from either of those two sites and why I feel that way in each case. So it's a year later, and I wish I could report better news. I wish I could report that we've gotten back our full tilt money, that there's been some sort of significant progress, at least, in having that occur, or maybe that online poker 
has been legalized and regulated or there's a very clear path to doing so and that we're very close to playing legalized online poker in the United States. I wish I could report these things a year later, but unfortunately, I can't. There's very little good news a year later. There's a little bit of good news, and I'll get to that, but there's not that much of it. But I think there might be in the future. Now, at the moment, this is where we stand. We have lost the major three online poker sites. I mean, this is not news to anyone, but we've lost poker stars to U.S. players. We've lost Full Tilt completely. They're down. And we've lost UB completely. Now, poker stars did pay out to U.S. players, but it does, it's worth noting that they did cheat people on the way out. Everybody praises poker stars as being so good and so wonderful and so responsible. Not quite as much as you think. Not quite as much as you think. Poker stars took advantage of the situation. I applaud them for at least having the money on deposit that showed in our player balances. When it said you had $1,000 on PokerStars, you really had $1,000 on PokerStars. They didn't spend the money and hope you won't withdraw it like the other sites did. So I give them props for that. It was a little bit easier because I believe PokerStars is owned by either one guy or mostly by one guy, uh, Isai Scheinberg. So if he's been reaping the profits the whole way, it wasn't distributed in a ton of different ways like it was to the Full Tilt owners. So, you know, Full Tilt, they kept distributing every little bit of money they could to the various people who owned percentages there, which is how Ivy was making uh, $2 million sports bets and losing $6.7 million at the blackjack table one night. That's how he could afford to do that. That's how Howard Lederer could afford to have the beautiful house he does that's worth like $11 bucks. Uh, that's where these guys got their insane money, not from poker winnings. And it's important to understand that I'm not making excuses for Full Tilt, but Full Tilt actually had a little bit of a tougher situation with keeping the money on hand than PokerStars did, because if the profits all went into one person's pocket on PokerStars, even if he didn't technically separate the funds, which I think he probably did, but even if he didn't, he just had the money when the whole thing crashed down. So... Poker Stars was shut out of the U.S. market. They're like, okay, well, we have plenty of money here. U.S. players have your money. Goodbye. So I give them props for having the money, but it was easier for them to accomplish. But that's not my main point. My main point is the fact that Poker Stars cheated people with their frequent player points on the way out. Now, I know what a lot of you are probably saying. Frequent player points... I mean, how can you expect PokerStars to give you full value on your frequent player points when they were the only site to actually pay you your money? I mean, how much did I get out of Full Tilt? How much did I get out of UB? I mean, I didn't have money on UB, but if I did, how much would I have gotten from there? Nothing. So how dare I criticize PokerStars when they were by far the best of all the sites? And when they did give me money for my frequent player points, just not quite as much as I would have gotten before April 15, 2011. So how dare I criticize them? Well, I dare criticize them because frequent player points were not a gift. They weren't a promotion. They weren't a gift. They were PokerStars' answer to rake back. People were asking PokerStars, 
what about Rakeback? How come Full Tilt gives Rakeback? How come UB gives Rakeback? How come, how come every site gives Rakeback except for you? And PokerStar said, hold on, yes we do. We give Rakeback through frequent player points, which if you work it out mathematically, if you're an active player, comes out better than it would on Full Tilt with just regular Rakeback. So people are like, oh, okay. Thank you, PokerStars. I guess you do give Rakeback. So that means your frequent player points were really worth cash because they told you it was. They told you this is their version of Rakeback. This is their version of putting cash back in your account based upon your level of activity. And if they told people, no, we're just not giving Rakeback, fuck you, guess what? People would have probably left PokerStars and played exclusively on Full Tilt and other sites. People stayed on PokerStars because they thought they were really getting Rakeback that was equal or better than what the other sites were offering. And suddenly, when April 15th occurred, PokerStars said, whoa, 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 frequent player points? No, 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 those don't really have a cash value. We're just going to be nice and let you cash them out at a lesser rate. And the way they did the whole thing, the way they constructed the whole thing, as far as the way you redeem your frequent player points, it was purposely done so you would get less value. I won't go into the whole thing because it's a year-old story and there's no point to rehash it, but they purposely made sure that you could cash out your frequent player points for less than they were really worth, and they kept maybe as much as $20 million worth of frequent player points that should have been cashed out. I'm not even exaggerating. So... You might think that UB, oh, they're so terrible, they cheated people out of $22 million through super using. And they were. They were terrible, and they deserve everything they get. You may think Full Tilt is really, really terrible for stealing all of our money on deposit. And they were, and they deserve everything they get. But PokerStars also stole up to $20 million worth of frequent player point value. So just because they were the lesser of the three evils doesn't mean that PokerStars did the right thing and doesn't mean that PokerStars is an honest company. It just means they're the least dishonest of those three. So I just wanted to get that rant out before I go on with everything else. Anyway, PokerStars is still in operation, and they're doing fairly well. They, they're smart business-wise. In fact, they're so smart business-wise that when they pulled off this massive theft of frequent player points, almost nobody complained about it. Everybody praised them. They are really, really, really smart business people. Not always ethical business people, but smart business people. And one thing they did is they positioned themselves in the European market very carefully. So if they ever do lose the U.S. players, they can go on and they can exist as a business and still be very viable. And that's why they're still doing well to this day, and that's why they've survived Black Friday just fine. They're nowhere as big as they were prior to Black Friday, but they've survived it and they're doing pretty damn well. And uh, one thing I have to give PokerStars credit is that they make one smart business decision after another. I'm amazed at how efficient they are and how smart they are when it comes to business decisions. Even when doing unethical things, they do it in a smart manner, where sites like UB do it in a dumb manner. So, uh, PokerStars is alive and well, and other than the FPP losses, people got their money out if they were U.S. players. Um, full Tilt, obviously, uh, it's nowhere near being solved. And if you think it is, tell me where it is right now. Tell me right now where the negotiations are between Group Bernard Tapie, or Tappy, I don't know how you pronounce it, with buying the site 
and full tilt. How close are they to a sale? And don't just repeat what the tappy lawyers are saying. Oh, we're very close. Oh, we're just about to do it. They've been saying this since like November. They've been close forever and it just, it never, never happens. Let me tell you, every day that passes that full tilt is not purchased, the chance of it actually occurring goes down. I think one day we are just going to hear Group Tapey could not come to terms with Full Tilt and they are backing out. Or there's going to be some major change in terms. Maybe the U.S. players are only going to get back a certain percentage on the dollar. Maybe all the players will only get back a certain percentage on the dollar, but they're still going to buy it. Maybe that's what they'll propose and it'll be rejected by the Department of Justice, who now technically owns Full Tilt, but just doesn't operate it. So... There's no reason it should be taking this long, and there's no reason it should be taking this long without any update. Now, you might ask, why would they give us an update? Why do we deserve an update? Why would a business that's going to purchase Full Tilt feel the necessity to let us know how their negotiations are going? There's a good reason why they should, and I think they would if it was close. When Full Tilt comes back, they will not be able to offer games to a U.S. player. But they will be able to offer games to the rest of the world. And they have to put the word out that not only is Full Tilt back, because they've just been down for months and months and months, for a very long time, they've just been completely down where you can't even connect to the site. So Full Tilt needs to put the word out both that they're back in operation and that they're under new management and everything's fine now. You don't have to be afraid to play on Full Tilt if you're a non-U.S. player. Now that's going to be very tough to do, even if people know that Group Tapey owns it. Let me pose a question to you guys. Let's say, hypothetically, that all of us could play on Full Tilt. There's no restriction, even U.S. players could play legally. How comfortable would you feel about putting money on Full Tilt? I bet most of you would be very nervous just because it's still called Full Tilt Poker. And even if it has new owners, I think you'd probably be nervous to play there. I think your first inclination, if your choice was cash out completely or keep playing, I have a feeling you'd just want to cash out completely and be done with it after this whole mess. So this is going to be a tough task for Group Tapey to convince rest of the world players to go back and play on there. Yes, by the way, I'm reading the chat. I'm just uh, making a little speech here. Then I'll take questions in the chat and... I will take some phone calls as well. Anyway. If Group Tapey was close to a sale, they would be very clear about it. And they would let everybody understand that they're just about to come back. It's going to be under complete new ownership and management. That it's not going to be like it was before. That you can trust them. And that everybody needs to come on back to Full Tilt Poker at least everybody who can, and start playing there. And, you know, within a month, we're going to be back. It would be very valuable for them to make this announcement if it were true. But it's probably not true, which is probably why they have not made such an announcement at any point. I think they're still pretty far away from coming to terms, and I think they might be reevaluating the situation and discovering that the price they're going to pay for Full Tilt, which after taking over all the player balances of uh, rest of the world players and paying the Department of Justice, 
I think the price tag will come close to $300 million. And that's a lot of money to pay for a really tainted brand. And a company that has no value other than its software and its servers and its database of players. Many of which you can't even use because they're U.S. players. That's a lot of money to pay for something with so many restrictions and so much baggage and really not much as far as assets. You're really not acquiring very much that's worth very much. I mean, yeah, the software's good and it has some value, but not $300 million, not even close. So they may be reevaluating it and saying, what the hell? Why are we doing this? This is a dumb idea. Not only that, but every day that passes that the site is down, what little value the brand has goes away. Because all people remember is a longer and longer time since they last were able to play there and since they were able to get their money. So what do I think right now? Do I think we're going to get our full tilt money or do I think we're not? Well, for a while, I was kind of uh, on the fence, and for a while, I was actually thinking that the tapey deal would probably go through, and we'll probably get our money, just not all that quickly. Now I'm actually on the other side. Now I actually think it's more likely that we're never going to get our money, that the sale will never go through, than it will go through and we do get our money. Now it is possible there's a middle ground that... Uh, the sale will go through and we'll get part of our money. I just have a feeling the DOJ is not going to allow that. So it's probably going to be one way or the other. Either we get all our money or we get none of our money. And I'm starting to think it's going to be none. I hate to break this bad news a year after Black Friday when we all woke up to the bad news, but I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. Let me take a comment on this from the chat room from Pikachar. Druff, the Full Tilt Poker servers, software, and users would be worth a shit ton, and only if Nevada, New Jersey, LA, or I guess it's Louisiana, Indiana, Mississippi, and California say yes to internet poker. But I didn't say they're worth nothing. And what is a shit ton? Is it worth millions of dollars? Yes. But I don't think it's worth $300 million. I just don't think the servers, software, and users, especially since a lot of them are users you can't serve anymore, U.S. users, is worth $300 million, especially since you're buying a brand that is really, really, really tainted. That's just my opinion, of course. I, I don't know for sure what its value is. It's just my guess. It's just... Uh, doing a sanity check on it, it just does not look like that company is worth $300 million at this point. Steve-O says in the chat, Druff, U.S. players will get 25%. I don't know where he's getting that number. Maybe Steve-O can explain. I don't know. I've never heard that before, and I don't know that the Department of Justice would approve that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it won't look very good if they sell the site to a company that company then uses the site for profit and the government makes money from the sale and the company goes on profiting 
but U.S. players lose 75% of their balances, I think that would look really, really, really bad. Anyway, I just don't think it's going to happen. I thought it was going to happen. I was never sure it was going to happen. There were some people who were so excited thinking this is almost like a done deal, like it's going to happen for sure. I was never one of those people. I was always skeptical, but it was kind of cautious optimism, and that cautious optimism has turned now into cautious pessimism, where I don't think it's impossible or highly unlikely the sale will go through, but now I think it's ventured into the realm of less than a 50% chance. Now, as far as uh, brick-and-mortar casinos buying it and renaming it, and I always thought that would probably be the future of the full-tilt software, even if Tapey bought it, that uh, it would be licensed to U.S. companies when they're allowed to actually offer online poker legally in the U.S. And, you know, that's a big advantage. Let's say Harris or Wynn or MGM bought the full-tilt software and they had good robust, tested software ready to go for their online poker room. They didn't have to build it and debug it and have people get used to a new interface. I mean, yes, that would have a lot of value. But I still don't think $300 million value. Because remember, you can always develop new software. You can always develop new, very good software. And it does not take $300 million to do. Take it from someone who used to develop software for a living. It's a good piece of software. It's not easy to develop, but it's not so hard to where it would cost hundreds of millions to make something equivalent. It just wouldn't. Anyway, that's the full tilt situation. That's my opinion on it. I could be completely wrong. I could look like a fool if tomorrow it's announced that Tapey is buying full tilt and we're getting 100% of our money back. I could look like even a bigger fool if it's announced they're buying full tilt and we're only getting 25% of our money back, and I say that's not going to happen. So, Steve-O, I, I see you're posting a blog about this topic, and I would like to read it. Obviously, I can't read it right now, doing a radio show, but uh, please post it up in the uh, either Flying Stupidity Forum or the Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum, probably the latter, and I'll be glad to read it later and comment on it, I think. People would like to see that. One plan I have, I don't know if this is going to work out for me, but uh, I'm going to try, is to become a poker room manager of one of the legalized U.S. poker rooms when they eventually come to pass. This could either be for one that a state runs, or preferably for one that is a full legalized, you know, federal approved room that anyone in the U.S. can play on. Of course, uh, that may be a while away, but I would like to be the poker room manager, and I think I'm extremely qualified for the job. I've played online poker now for 11 and a half years, extremely actively. I know a whole lot about the industry. I know what to do and what not to do. I know what things work and what don't work. I have a lot of innovative ideas for what could be done with these rooms, you know, both game-wise and software-wise and features that have never been on these sites before. I'm not going to say them out here, but uh, I have that to offer. And I'm someone who's always come out very vocally against cheaters and against online sites that aren't secure and ones that rip people off. And I think if I were the poker room manager, 
people would say, okay, this is the guy who was on 60 Minutes, who was so against all the cheating. And if he's the poker room manager, we can probably trust this place. Even people who don't really know me. So, I really don't want another job ever again. But that's one job I would like. And I would find that very interesting, and I'd find it to... Uh, It'd be the type of job I'd really like to have. And I think I could do a really good job with it. And I think I'd like I'd also like to be in charge of making sure that all the customer service issues are good. That they, they get resolved. That we have good customer service. That if people don't have good customer service, they can come to me personally. And I'll take care of them. Because I complain all the time about customer service, about everything. I've complained on these forums about all kinds of customer services everywhere for several years now. I would love to be in a position where I could make sure that the customer service is good and I would be personally in charge of making sure it's good. And if it isn't, kicking out the people who are at fault for it not being good. So I, mean, I think I do an excellent job as a poker room manager. But the one thing working against me is I don't have any actual real-life experience as any kind of poker room manager. And that could work against me. They may want to hire someone like Lee Jones, who managed poker stars all these years. They may want to hire someone who managed brick-and-mortar card rooms. So, they may not have an interest in hiring someone like me who doesn't have any direct job experience, but I'll give it a shot. I will try. I will put a lot of effort into getting one of those jobs, and if I don't get it initially, I'll try again. Maybe I'll never get a job like that. I don't know. But it's worth trying, and I, I think another thing I have working for me, again, versus most other online poker players, is that I'm 40. And that I don't think anyone would want to hire a poker room manager who's 23. Even if he's very capable and very smart, it just looks bad if your poker room is managed by a 23-year-old. But I'm obviously the right age to be a manager of something like that. So uh, I think that'll help me, too. <laughs> Lou Father saying in the chat room, try to become the Imperial Palace poker room manager. You could probably get locked into that job. That's probably true. I probably could become the poker room manager there or in many other equivalent poker rooms around Las Vegas. PLOL wants to know if I'd settle for being a minimum wage customer support rep. Hmm. I think that would be one of the really bad nightmares I'd have, which I feel like I can't wake up from. Anyway, let me uh, move on here. UB. Oh, damn it. i got to fix this chat room. This chat room just kicked me out. I got kicked out of my own chat room. Can you believe that? Before I go on with UB, though, I do want to say that we are going to have a regular radio show on this site. This is what I call the Positive EV show. This is like the serious show where there's no entertainment. There's no uh, prank calls. There's no wacky people that we call up and mess around with. This is the serious show. And when I eventually separate these in the archives, this will go in the uh, serious show group. But uh, we are going to have a show that's a little bit less serious, that's more for entertainment, 
and I've pegged former Donk Down host Brandon Drexel Gerson to join me, and he's expressed some interest. Uh, have to talk to him about it further. And uh, same with Vowels, formerly known as Fuck Vowels. She's done a very good job as a co-host with me on the in the past on uh, Neverwin Poker Radio. Uh, before Brandon was involved, we used to have just me and MyCon doing it. And when MyCon couldn't make it, I would do it with her sometimes. And those shows always went really well. People always really liked them. And she's got a really, really nice voice for the radio. So only problem is I'm not sure if she has the time. I still have to talk to her about it. Um, she's very aware of the offer, and she sent me a private message about it, but we have to talk on the phone and try to arrange it. But we actually are in development of a real radio show that is scheduled, that's once a week, something you can count on, not just the spontaneous thing where I turn it on at 3 in the afternoon. We may have some of these too, but uh, we are going to have a regularly scheduled radio show. And I'll give you more information about that as it comes. Now what about UB? Well, I've been warning people about UB for years. I appeared on two national TV shows about it, one of them on CBS, watched by 18 million people, complaining about UB, talking about their blatant cheating, their cover-ups. Nobody should have been playing there. Everybody should have been off that site, except for the few who were ignorant to the whole thing. But there were some greedy people that felt they had to keep playing because the games were still soft there. And they didn't care if that company cheated them and everyone else and ripped everyone off and took money out of the poker community. They were still supporting UB because they could make money personally. And I, I think that's a crappy thing to do. And I think when you make money that way, you have to look in the mirror and say, am I really proud of what I did? Yes, I have more money, but am I really proud of what I did? Because I can't make money that way. I'll be honest with you. I can't make money to where afterwards I look in the mirror and feel guilty about it. I feel like I've done the wrong thing. I don't want to feel like I've supported scammers in the process of making money. But, you know, some people, they just want to make money. And uh, those people played on UB, and when UB went down after Black Friday, they lost their money. And they're never going to see that money back. The full tilt people at least have some chance to see their money back. People who had money on UB are never going to see it back. They did the exact same thing as Full Tilt, except the difference is the UB brand is worth just about nothing. Nobody wants to buy that software. It's pretty much going to go in the garbage, and if anyone does buy it, it's going to be for some bargain price, and they're never going to pay back the player balances on there. So, that is the, uh, I mean... That's the story with UB. And I don't feel a bit sorry for anyone who lost money on UB, except for people who had absolutely no idea about the scandals there. If you knew about the scandals there, if you played on UB, and if you lost money when they shut down, tough luck, and in fact, I'm happy you lost money. Because uh, you were helping keep that site afloat. You were helping them stay active. I, I've heard some people tell me, oh, no, 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 I get so much rake back there, and I take money out of the poker economy there by beating the fish so the games don't go as long. So therefore, I'm actually hurting UB by being there. And I say, no, you're not. Poker games are interesting because they need seed players to go. That's why they have props. That's why they pay people 
in poker rooms, both online and brick and mortar, to sit there and play all day because you need certain people committed to play for a game to go. Because if you show up somewhere and there's nobody playing poker, whether it's live or online, you're not going to sit around all day and wait for someone to come play with you, or you probably won't. You're just going to leave. You're only going to stay if there's existing games going that interest you in playing. And this is especially true if you're a fish. Maybe if you're a pro, you're saying, hey, I'll just leave my computer open, I'll leave the table open all day and hope someone shows up. But the typical casual player doesn't want to sit and wait in the lobby for six hours until a game goes. He's just going to shut down the software. So the people who played on UB, the people who left the software open, sitting at tables by themselves waiting for games to go, even if they won money overall and took money off the site, even if they got so much rake back that they paid virtually no rake to UB, they were really helping UB because basically they were acting as unpaid props. So, this is an important thing to understand. That those people who knew about the scandals and kept playing were supporting UB. They were actually working for UB for free, in a way, to keep those games going. Because without those dedicated grinders on UB the fish wouldn't have had anyone to play with. If all of us had agreed together to leave UB after the scandals, they would not have anywhere near the activity they had prior to Black Friday. Now, fortunately, they are down. They are gone. And anyone who lost their money there, the only ones I feel bad for are the casual players who didn't know about their history. Everybody else, screw them. They deserved it. People with money on full tilt did not deserve it. They really didn't have a way to see that coming. But the people on UB, the people on AP, which are pretty much the same site, no sympathy for me. I'm going to try to turn off the timeout from the chat. I'm going to try to remember to do this after the show's over. You know when I did my emergency car radio last week? That was a freaking killer. I'm sitting here driving down the highway. I'm trying to read the chat room occasionally. And I look over and I, I keep seeing myself get logged out and it pissed me off. Because it's so hard to log back in to type my name and password back in as I'm driving down the highway. A few times I had to actually pull off the road to do it. It was a freaking disaster. So I've got to turn this off. Got to turn off that auto timeout, and I will try to remember it. This will be in the archives for those of you that are wondering. Okay, let's talk about legalization of online poker in the United States. What's the future of that? Because I get a lot of questions about that. Now, obviously, I can't see the future, and I don't know some spectacular information that the rest of you don't. So, as far as actual information on this subject, I don't have more than you do. I read the same stories you do about it. So this is all just my opinion from the way I know the government works, from observing legal matters involving online poker over the years. So I could end up completely wrong about all this, but this is my opinion. First of all, you need to understand that the government is pretty slow. 
The government is slow with everything. So even if the government says, yes, we're going to legalize online poker, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It will take a lot of time. They have to pass the law. They have to write the regulations. They have to get the regulations approved. They have to appoint some sort of regulatory body to oversee it. Every time you go play in Vegas, the games are being regulated by the Nevada Gaming Commission. Well, we don't have a federal gaming commission in the United States. The gaming commissions are all state-based, and I guess it's possible that uh, the U.S. would require an existing gaming commission, like the Nevada Gaming Commission, to regulate it, but uh, even that would have some red tape to it. So they'd need to establish or appoint a gaming commission. They'd need to write all the regulations. they need to get them approved. And then from that point, these sites would need to build their software. And even if they preemptively built it and were just waiting for approval, they would need to get that software approved. All these things take time. A lot more time than you expect. So... Don't just expect that they're going to pass a law and a week later you're playing online poker. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be quite some time. But we don't even have a law yet. The only thing that has happened favorably for online poker since Black Friday was the reevaluation that the Department of Justice did regarding online poker and how it applies to the 1961 Wire Act. Now, people are surprised when I tell them that a law passed in 1961 affects online poker. Because there was no internet in 1961. There was no online anything in 1961. So how could that law possibly affect online poker? Well, it was originally passed to prevent sports betting being done over the phone. And it was stretched to apply to online poker. And they wrote another law in 2006, referred to as the UIGEA, the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act. And that built upon the 1961 Wire Act, but made it much more specific, saying that it was illegal for banks to transfer funds to and from customers for the purposes of online poker. And it was illegal for anyone to process such transactions. So this includes the middleman payment processors. This includes the sites themselves. The only thing the UIGEA did not criminalize was actually playing online poker or as a consumer depositing on there for yourself. So you were not breaking any laws by depositing, withdrawing, and playing online poker. And that's why I proudly went on to, to uh, national television and told 18 million people that I played online poker. If it was illegal, I, would have not, I wouldn't have done that. I would have gone to jail. But uh, it was not illegal to play online poker or deposit or withdraw, but it was illegal for any company to assist me in doing so, which is what was eventually the basis for the bus on April 15th. Now, they reevaluated the 1961 Wire Act after Black Friday to say that they decided it doesn't apply to online poker. They still feel it applies to sports betting, so they're still going to go after sports betting sites the same way. But online poker, they don't see that having to do with the 1961 Wire Act, which is great news. What's not such great news is that the 2006 UIGEA, which was built upon the 1961 Wire Act, has not been reversed. 
So today it is still illegal for financial transactions to be processed to play online poker. That has not changed. Some people think it has changed. Some people think that it's been legalized or the basis for what the sites were busted for a year ago is no longer the case today. That is not true. That needs to be repealed before any online poker can be played legally in the United States. So, just want to let everybody know that that's also in the way. Can it be repealed? Yes. Will it eventually be repealed? I think so. So step number one to play legalized online poker in the U.S., the government needs to repeal the UIGEA. Step number two, they need to explicitly legalize playing online poker because until it's explicitly legalized, it's kind of in this murky, maybe legal, maybe illegal state that it was for years before the UIGEA. So they need to legalize it. Then they need to establish regulations. And then they need to approve companies that want to offer it. So these things all need to happen. I don't think it's going to happen in the year 2013. I think it could happen in 2013, but I don't think it will. And it's definitely not going to happen in 2012. You are not going to play a, a hand of legalized online poker in 2012 if you're a U.S. citizen. Maybe 2013, if I had to guess, if someone said, when do you think you'll play your first hand of legalized online poker? I would say either 2014 or 2015. But don't get too excited because... Maybe not even then. Right now, it's looking like we're kind of going towards that. But this could easily change course. This could easily stall. Because nothing's happened yet. Something else is happening in the background here that uh, might change the course of this show. I'm doing this show because Benjamin took a nap. And I said, hey, what the hell, I'll turn on radio. I just heard uh, some noise in the background through the baby monitor, but it sounds like it quieted down again. But uh, whenever the nap ends, the show ends. Just want to let you guys know that. Comments in the chat room, and also give out the phone number here since the show may be coming to an end soon. 775-FRAUD-55. Make sure to show your caller ID when you call me. Star 82 to do that. 775 is the area code. That's the other area code of Nevada. Fraud, F-R-A-U-D 55. That is 372-8355. That's always going to be the phone number for this radio show. And uh, anybody who'd like to call, please call right now. Uh, from the chat room, um... Buck 27 is saying, Poker Stars could still be in the U.S. market if they wanted, but they threw in the towel. And uh, I lost this. Here, here we are. Uh, due to all the monies they were losing to this government and shady processor rolling bullshit. That's not true. They couldn't still be in the U.S. market. For them to still be in the U.S. market would be illegal. And when you say they could, I mean they could the same way that Merge is. But uh, they didn't want to mess with it. They made so much money, they don't want to just give the middle finger to the U.S. government and challenge them to come after them and their money. So they, they had to do this 
for survival. They had to back out of the U.S. market to try and make the U.S. government leave them alone. Uh-oh. I hear a baby that doesn't want this show to continue. What about intrastate online poker? That's online poker that can only be played within a certain state. Could that work? Uh, Steve-O is saying it's already happening. I think he means it's already happening uh, as far as being legalized in certain states. I don't believe there's a single room open right now that you can actually play online poker against people in your own state. But uh, I don't think intrastate poker will work except in huge states like California, New York, Florida, Texas. Maybe those, it can work. But uh, Nevada, I don't think so. Definitely not Washington, D.C., which passed a law that allows it. I mean, they've only got 600,000 people in the whole territory of D.C. And any of the other small states, it's not going to work. You just need a bigger pool of people because you're only going to have a tiny percentage of them actually playing online poker at a given moment. So for games to go, you need a very large population. And the smaller states just can't do it. Uh, in Nevada, as has already been said here in the chat room, it is legalized to offer intrastate online poker, but they have to be partnered with a brick-and-mortar room that has an existing license. But so far, that also has not come to exist, and I don't think they quite have the framework in place for that yet either. Uh, the only viable online poker I see be done through the state of Nevada to where it'll work would be if somehow they could uh, build it into the casinos to where you can also play it if you're not a Nevada resident but actually in the state of Nevada physically. So like people can go up to machines and sit and play online poker against other people in Nevada whether residents or people in other casinos or whatever. Like I, I could see that as something if they put this in enough casinos, maybe even in hotel rooms or whatever, I, I could see how that could actually work out. Because even though Nevada's population is small, uh, if you have a lot of tourists coming in that are specifically coming in there to gamble, then a lot higher percentage of them are going to play online poker while they're visiting. And even Nevada's residents gamble a lot more than the rest of the country's residents. So I think interest in online poker in Nevada will also be higher per resident than it would anywhere else. But still, it's a pretty damn small state, population-wise. Nevada really only has two metropolitan areas. That's the Reno area and the Vegas area. And neither of them is all that big. The Vegas area has over a million people, but uh, that's still not that much. And Reno has much less than that. And other than that, the state's pretty much a wasteland with just about no population. So... I think that uh, we will see at some point some intrastate online poker rooms, but I don't think we're going to see all that much activity on them. I think their function is going to be proving that online poker can work and be regulated in the U.S. by a U.S. company and everything will be fine and minors won't play and all the, all the fears people have about legalized and regulated online poker, I think will somehow be allayed by these intrastate rooms running for a little while. So I think they could be very useful in that way. But I think 
they're not going to provide us very much satisfying poker, even if you happen to be lucky enough to live in a state that offers it, with the possible exception of very large states like California. And again, uh, people in the chat room who are tired of the timeout, I'm right along with you here. I hate the timeout too, and I'm going to turn it off when uh, I'm done with this. So uh, before I go here, I think I'm going to have to go in a second because uh, I'm starting to hear some noise from Benjamin in his room. Take a look at the monitor here. Yeah, he's not quite awake yet, but it's going to be very shortly where he will because he's kind of tossing and turning. Um, what about current rooms you can play on, like the Merge Network? Are those safe? I mean, should you be playing any online poker right now, or should you wait until it becomes legal? I say with the existing sites, you need to use your best judgment. The Merge Network is by far the biggest and the safest right now for anyone that plays in the U.S., and there's many, many sites feeding into the Merge Network. I will not say they are safe in that... I would not be surprised if at any point the U.S. government shuts them down and you lose all your money the same way you did on UB and Full Tilt. I don't have a lot of confidence that they've segregated their funds, that they actually have all our money on deposit. I don't know that they don't, but I don't know that they do. And we have no way to know that they do. So by playing on the Merge Network, you are taking a risk. You need to leave the minimum bankroll on there that you need to play and no more. As soon as you get more, you should find a way to cash it out. Because it could go down at any time. If they do go down, I don't think you're getting your money. And the only reason I play on there is because I haven't seen any actual evidence yet that they're shady. And I've been cashing out, and I've been making money, so why not? I don't feel I'm supporting an organization that cheats people, because I don't see evidence of that yet. And I'm making money, so if my money does get seized one day there, I'm working that in as part of the gamble. It's part of the variance of playing on Merge. Some of the variance is losing my money to other players. Some of it is the whole network taking my money. So I'm just working it in there. The only thing I'm asking you guys to do is to be careful what skins you play on on Merge because they're not all created equal. Play on the skins people trust. And a lot of people think that I'm kind of shilling for certain sites that I, I have an interest in these sites. I don't. Right now, there are no rakeback partners, no affiliate partners. I don't own any piece of merge. I have no business relationship with any merge sites at this time. But let me recommend a few of them, just from personal experience. Now, again, these are not ironclad, you-can-totally-trust-them sites. I'm not vouching for them. I'm just saying, if you're going to play there, these three are your best bet, in my opinion. And that would be Carbon, Hero. I don't know if Hero takes U.S. players now, but if they do, Hero's a good one. And Black Chip. Those three have a good record with paying people. They have a good record with making things right. Uh, you know, I know some of them have had their follies and little issues, but nothing terrible. And at the end, they've always made it right. The site you should definitely stay away from is Lock Poker. Lock Poker is a very dishonest site. I'm not going to spend the rest of the time on this show talking about Lock because I don't have much time left. But Lock Poker is a very dishonest site. They've done a lot of bad things. 
They've cheated people. They allowed one of their own pros to cheat in one of their own high-profile contests. They're bad news. And unlike UB, where you had to decide, do I play on a site that has soft games but is run by scumbags, or do I just not play for the principle of the matter, you don't have to make that decision regarding Locke. All you have to do regarding Locke is play on a different merged skin, and you'll be in the exact same games against the exact same players. So there's no reason to play on Locke when there are so many other much more trustworthy skins out there. Like Hero, like Black Chip Poker, like Carbon, and even RPM. I don't know much about them, but I've heard pretty good things about RPM Poker. So, after everything that has happened... Full Tilt, UB, Absolute Poker. How could anyone want to have their money on a site that is still cheating people? Any site that is still cheating people after Black Friday, you should say, okay, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to get involved with any kind of company that cheats anyone. I don't care if they cheat people for a dollar or for $20 million. If they cheat people, I don't want my money on there. So... Don't play on lock. There's no point. There's so many other skins that have a much better record than they do. So choose one of them that I mentioned. But again, if they shut down, if they cheat you in some way, if you lose your money in some way, don't cry to me that I endorse them because I'm not endorsing anyone. I'm just saying that I play on those myself. That I find them as a reasonable alternative these days. Now, what about the other sites? What about Cake Poker? What about uh, some of those other smaller networks? Well, they're a lot less stable. And you need to follow. And, in fact, I should do a better job of uh, providing this information on this site. And I'm going to, on these scam scandals and shadiness form. I'm going to do a report on the other networks so people can understand what the current situation is with the other sites, how well they pay people. Because even I don't know as much as I should about this. But, like, the Cake Network is terrible with paying people these days. They take many months to pay anyone. Um, America's Card Room, which is part of the Yadahay Network, you know, the True Poker Network. I've heard some good things about them. I'm even thinking of starting an account on America's Card Room. But I'll have to look into it a little bit more. But just do your research. Make sure that they are currently paying out. Not that they were paying out three months ago, but that they're currently paying out today. That the checks aren't bouncing that there aren't just massive weights for cash-outs, that the cash-out amount you can get is sufficient for how much money you expect to make. So if you're, if you're a player who typically makes 10 k a month, but they only let you cash out 2500 a month, that's a big problem. So make sure about that. And make sure that there's no scandals. I mean, Cake has been involved in a lot of bad scandals. I'm going to have to do a report on them. But they've been involved in a lot of scandals over the years, including one that was never really reported very much. I've mentioned it before, but they almost cheated me out of $46,000 by closing my account, telling me they're seizing my money because I was colluding. But I wasn't colluding. I've never colluded in my life. They couldn't point me to one hand history. This happened about five years ago, by the way. But they couldn't point me to one hand history where I was colluding but they were still going to confiscate my money. I talked them out of it, but they almost did. And at one point, I looked sure that they were going to. They just did a 180. So, 
KMK, SMKN asking how much do I take off merge a month? So I, I, it varies from month to month whether I win or lose. Uh, but I have gotten as much as 20k off in months since Black Friday. I'm not taking 20k off there every month. In fact, there's some months I haven't taken off anything. But uh, I have gotten money off of Merge, and uh, you just have to kind of know how to do it. And you have to start by playing on a skin that has a good history in paying you, in paying people. And... Uh, the skins have a lot of control over that, too. So I will do a report soon on Cake Poker, and uh, I'm also going to start threads on this site about the other poker networks so we can really fully understand and discuss, because I, I don't know everything about this either. I want other people to discuss, because you guys are the eyes and ears of the community. I want other people to discuss their experiences with the other networks, good and bad. I want the truth out there about every single existing poker network for U.S. players and who you can trust and who you can't and who pays you quickly and who pays you slowly and who doesn't pay you at all. I want all these things on this site. And uh, make sure whoever you sign up with, whether you get some kind of rake back, whether through uh, VIP programs or through traditional rake back. Uh, if you don't, look for another skin. And of course, if any site steals your money, if anything rips you off, don't just sit there quietly about it, come on our site and talk about it. Come on our site and post in the scam, scandals, and shadiness form about how you got ripped off. Post the emails back and forth. Just put all the information out there because that's what makes these sites nervous is when people come forward and give them bad publicity for being shady. Scammers love secrets. Remember that. Whether it's individuals or whether it's companies. They love when they cheat someone that the person keeps quiet about it. Their nightmare is when the person who got cheated tells the world about it. So make sure to tell the world about it if anyone or anything rips you off. And on this site, not only can you talk about it all you want, but I'll take your personal interest in it, and I'll comment on it, and I'll analyze it, and I'll try to spread the word if I think you got ripped off. I mean, you guys see how much I say about lock poker, how much I criticize lock poker. How much has lock poker cheated me out of? Zero dollars and zero cents. They have never stolen a penny from me. They once slow paid me, like slow paid me big time, but they never stole a penny from me. I've been talking about them only because I don't like what I'm seeing, and I think they don't deserve to be in business given the way they treat their customers, and I think people should know about it since they're one of the bigger merged skins these days. Now, T-Buck is saying the problem is if someone posts about it here, hardly, one, hardly anyone in the poker community will find out about it, and that's not true. Now, this is not a large site like 2 Plus 2, but I'm trying to make the site grow, and anything interesting that gets posted to the Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness forum, I always tweet out to my followers, and then I have people with many more followers than me retweeting those stories. For example, KevMath, he loves to retweet interesting things that I tweet, and he has like 12,000 followers. So, trust me, people will read your story if it's a compelling story and if it's something that the poker community should know about it. So post it up on uh, Scam, Scandals, and Shadiness. Oh, what about Bovada, formerly Bodog? Uh, I, I used to play on them a lot, but I don't anymore. 
for two reasons. Number one, that anonymous table crap is terrible. You never want to play at anonymous tables because it's impossible to track cheating. It's very easy for the site to cheat you that way. It's very easy for people to collude against you that way. It's very, very hard to detect any kind of pattern of cheating on anonymous tables. And, and number two, apparently their wires are pretty much useless now. The one good thing about Bodog slash Bovada was your ability to cash out quickly and easily. Post Black Friday, I cashed out 38k from Bodog within a few weeks. And even in the year 2012, I cashed out like 10,000 from Bovada within about a week. That's not the case anymore. Unfortunately, their ability to process wires has greatly been reduced. So that takes away the one really good thing about Bodog slash Bovada was their payment processing. They were the best at it. And they've gone from the best to not so good anymore. I mean, they were even the best at it before Black Friday. They were just really, really good at it just from years and years of experience. Anyway. I think I'm going to end this here. Not because I have no more to say, but because I have to go get my son. But I thank everybody for listening to this special. I think I've covered most of the topics I wanted to talk about. So thank you for listening to this special. It will be in the archives. And stay tuned for announcements about our regular radio show. I don't have a night for it just yet. But I do have some co-hosts selected. Whether they... uh, end up committing to it, we'll see, but uh, very soon we will have a full announcement about our regular radio program, the night it will air, the time it will air, and who will be committing to co-host, and we will have a real radio show on this program, or on this website, and not just this occasional spontaneous radio that I do here. So thank you everybody for listening to this very, very spontaneous show that was announced five minutes before it started on this anniversary of Black Friday. April 15, 2012. Hopefully April 15, 2013, I will have something much better to report out here regarding the world of online poker. Maybe it will be the ability to play online legally from the U.S. Maybe it will be legislation that has been passed that is going to make it possible for us to play in the next year. Or maybe something else that's favorable to online poker. I think we're going in the right direction. And I think Black Friday was a good thing for that. Because Black Friday cleared out the criminal rooms. And when I say criminal rooms, I mean any room that was operating a foul of U.S. law. It cleared them out. And now the only ones left operating for U.S. players are very small-time operations like Merge. And so the big rooms won't have to be dealt with anymore. They're out of the market. That's it. And it also allows the government to think about how they really fear about, feel about online poker, and that allowed them to change the 1961 Wire Act because they decided that they don't think online poker is the same as sports betting. 
So that's also a good thing. Anyway, we will see what unfolds. We will see what happens. And if any change occurs, I will do more broadcasts like this. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. This will be the archives. And have a lovely rest of your Sunday evening. Goodbye.